So like the challenge is like, you know, who, who are you? Which player are you? Who do you want to be? It's not a sometimes thing. You have a choice every time you line up on who you want to be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insiders podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback and radio analyst for the Golden Bears. Today, we are going to review the Idaho win. Bears win 31-17 over the Vandals in Memorial Stadium. It's a win, counts towards a bowl game. Is it a good win? We'll talk about that in just a second. I'm also going to talk to head coach Justin Wilcox. That'll be coming up. Get his take on the game as well. First and foremost, my thoughts on the game here. This was a game that had all the makings of a trap game coming into it. You look at what happened with Stanford losing to Sac State last weekend, Sac State being a very good football team, and Sac State having the added bonus that the staff, most of the staff actually were the, was a staff for Troy Taylor the week before or the year before. Um, Sac State, a big-time trap game for Stanford. Obviously, the Cardinal lose in that one. I'm sure Bear fans are happy about that. <clears throat> Idaho was ranked number eight in the FCS coming into this game. They were a team... They are a team with a very good offense. Their quarterback, Giovanni McCoy, is an operator, period. I don't expect to see him playing at that level again next year. I imagine that somebody will pick him up. Uh, If he hits the the transfer portal, I guarantee somebody will pick him up uh, next year as a Power 5 type of quarterback because he has the tools to play at that level. He operates. He's really, really good. So Idaho with a great offense coming in, a pretty decent defense coming in as well that this could very well be a trap game. The Bears just had a disappointing showing versus Auburn. They were in it to the last minute. Offense missed some opportunities. And then, you know, it's a big week, SEC, big game, TV, and then you come in against Idaho, and it's not the same position in terms of the type of game. You're not, you're not, it's not as dramatic. It's not as impactful to you as an athlete thinking about going to play Idaho as it is going to play Auburn. And so we talked with Coach Wilcox during the week last week about whether it could potentially be a trap game. And he focuses on the right things. It's about getting good practice. It's about putting in the work. It's about showing up for the game. And the team, quite honestly, did not show up early for this game. A couple different reasons. They weren't making the plays on defense that I expected. And I'll talk to Coach about defense in just a second. They weren't challenging that the way they should have, whether they were playing tight or not keyed up enough, there's a certain level when you talk about mindset, and I talk to coach about mindset all the time, of you have to have a certain level of nerves, of energy, of adrenaline in your system, of that chemical mix, that hormone mix that gets you amped and a little bit edgy and keyed in. You have to have that to play well. But you also can't be over the top. And I think... Oftentimes when we see athletes not play well, it's because they're over the top. They're too keyed up for games. But coming into a game like Idaho as well, you can be under keyed up. You can not be nervous enough. If you look at the uh, game on film and you think, I got this guy. I can cover this. I can can rush the passer here. Then it leaves you in a place where you're not quite there hormonally, chemically, in terms of your body reacting to a threat situation. And so it's a fine line, getting athletes ready all the time. And great coaches are really good at finding that level with kids, whether you have to be hard on them 
to bring them to that level or whether you have to love them up to bring them back into a performance zone. Uh, they talk about athletes being in the zone all the time, whether you love them to get them down off of that you know, peak performance ledge where they can't perform because they're too hyped up or whether you jump their ass to make them perform better and make them a little bit nervous to get that body chemistry going. And so that is a mix that you have to learn to get together with a team. And sometimes teams have to have the chemistry amongst them too. Players have to put pressure on each other. Players have to lean on each other. By the way, side note, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. That's part of this BS going on in society right now where we are not allowed to hold each other accountable, where the expectation is not for excellence, is not in performance in people, where we hold people to the lowest possible standard. It also affects our athletics. I watch it in younger kids all the time where when we are not allowed to hold them accountable, to call them on the carpet for the mistakes they make, when other kids talking about somebody not performing up to their potential is shaming them, then you lose the ability for peer pressure to be the effective tool for good that it can be. And as we watch people around this country, for sure, lower their standards, lower expectations, lower their, quite honestly, their behavioral tactics, then we lose that peer pressure, which has been such an effective tool for so long. Are there some things that need to go away? For sure, there's things that need to go away in terms of the use of peer pressure. But when it comes to performance, when it comes to expecting excellence, it's one of the things that we need to keep as a society. Okay, back to it. Anyway, that's for athletics because I see it all the time. I see it with young kids because I coach young kids that they aren't allowed to shame, air fingers quote, each other because if they say anything bad about each other, then the other person gets their feelings hurt. And nowadays you're not allowed to have your feelings hurt in society or else it's the end of the world. And and that's got to stop because if kids aren't taught that they have to deal with some hard times and hard emotional situations at times, then this whole society is going down the drain. Anyway, political message aside, football, incredibly important that your team also gets you there and get you to a point where you are ready, emotionally keyed up in that zone, somewhere between, I, I I'm have no expectations for this game because I don't think my opponent's very good, to I am so keyed up for this game that I can't play because my mind's going a million miles an hour. There is a sweet spot in there that you have to hit. You have to learn to hit. And championship teams and coaching staffs find a way to make that happen week in, week out with their team, no matter whether they're playing SC, Washington, Idaho, North Texas, Nickel State, it doesn't matter. They find a way to get their team there for every single game. And that's part team, part coach, uh, and accountability. The Bears weren't there coming into this game. They weren't up enough on defense for sure, because that's a good defense, a really good defense. And while we were getting pressure on Giovanni McCoy, we weren't getting enough pressure. We would get one-man pressures on him, and then he would just slide and move, and we weren't closing the pocket on him. We weren't getting a second man to the ball. And because of that, he could slide, move, and complete passes. He, on the other hand, was up for that game, and he was fighting open receivers, working his progression, throwing good balls, being very accurate. He was operating, and he was really good for Idaho. <clears throat> he's going to have a good year at the FCS. <clears throat> Excuse me, because he's got some tools out there as well. 
at that receiver spot. So defensively, 17 points they allow by Idaho. Part of that is that the offense did not respond. The offense did not score when they had the ball. There were, once again, and I said it on my broadcast, I say it here, there were missed opportunities at the quarterback position. Sam Jackson got a start, played a whole game at the position outside of a little bit of an injury issue. But he missed opportunities for big plays. I've told you, I go back and review film every single game. I watch every snap on offense. I watch most of the snaps on defense. And there were opportunities for more touchdowns. This could have been a 50-plus, 60-point game for the Bears had Sam had he hit his opportunities. He had some throws over the top he should have hit. He had a couple of wheel routes uh, that were opportunities for him as well. Uh, a couple of over routes. There, there were things that were there for him had he taken the selection. And there were times when he could have pulled the ball on zone reads on, or on read options on RPOs or on uh, inside zone, outside zone plays where he's supposed to key the backside end and he, he read the wrong key and handed the ball off into a heavy box rather than keeping it and running. He'd probably still be running today for some of them. So Sam is young at the position and he is growing up on the job. The question is, does the team have time for Sam Jackson to grow up on the job right now? And this is just purely a quarterback speculation. I like all the quarterbacks at Cal. I like them all a bunch. Uh, They're all good dudes, but you have to perform. And I think for me as a quarterback, had I not performed, it would have been next man up. And so we'll see what the coaching staff does this week. We'll talk to coach about it coming up. Offensively, I think that tells the whole story. They ran the ball a little bit. Offensive line was okay. I'm a little bit worried about the offensive line because we were giving up pressures on the edge. And that's one thing to be doing it versus, you know, SC, Oregon, Washington. It's a different thing to be giving up edge pressure against Idaho. And so that bothers me some. I know that as an offense, you'll have to do something to account for that because you are coming into this week, and we'll talk about Washington later in the week, but coming into a buzzsaw this week at Washington with two fantastic edge players at that defensive end spot who wrecked Cal's offense at times last year as well. So that has to be shored up. Offensive tackles, once again, uh, we have to shore that up a little bit, and we have to stop the edge pressures more of our right on our right than our left for sure. But we have to stop those pressures whether we read them or whether we block them by chipping or helping with a tight end or doing whatever you do to stop that defensive edge rush. And there's a bunch of it you can overslide. There's there's a bunch of tools in the toolkit that has to fit your offensive system. The Bears have to figure that out. I would like to see our receivers get more separation. That said, there, like I said, there were five or six shots that we didn't take in this game that we should have taken that we would have scored with. Because there was separation and there was enough scheme there to make that happen. So I think we can get better at every single level. I think the team needs to find a way to help itself get up to the level of play. There will be zero issue with getting up to the level of play next week at Washington. But we'll talk about Washington shortly. But right now, I want to get to my interview with Coach Wilcox. I had the opportunity to speak with Coach a little bit earlier to review the Idaho game and talk about the things that he saw on the field and hear his thoughts. Joining me now, head coach Justin Wilcox. And coach, this week always feels a little better after a win. 
break down the Idaho game, then I've got some specific questions for you as we get into it. Yeah. Um, well, we started about as poorly as we could start. Um, defense, especially offense, ST, we just, it was not a good start for us. I, it's, it was surprising because during the week, you know, I thought the guys were plugged in and they knew Idaho was a good team. Uh, but for whatever reason, we were lacking in some of the finishes um, to the plays that we were, you know, having. And uh, on defense, it was the third and fourth downs. I mean, we, we were not, we kept giving up third and fourth down plays throughout these drives in the first quarter, especially. And it was, you know, we needed to make one of them and get off the field. And uh, the man-to-man stuff, we were getting beat. Um, their quarterback was delivering the ball accurately and their receivers were making plays. We were getting pressure on the quarterback. We couldn't get him on the ground. So we would, they had a hard time protecting Brett and Xavier, especially. But even with the rush there, we were, you know, the, the, uh, quarterback would slide and he'd make a throw. We were, we weren't covering well enough. Offensively, we just didn't, we didn't get the ball to where it needed to be, uh, efficiently you know I think we had too many missed opportunities meaning RPOs or kind of where the ball was going we didn't do a great job um so started slow played our way out of it which is a good thing you know nobody uh I think there was urgency not panic which is what you want to see you know guys were prideful in their response um but you know wasn't so that was the lesson to learn but overall just not uh not enough people playing up to their standard of play uh, throughout the day. I generally start on the offensive side of the ball because I'm a quarterback, and because of that, I'm always critical of the quarterback position. I'm going to start on defense this time, though. You talked about it. We got pressure from one spot oftentimes, and we had a dish in which the quarterback was contained, but then he would step up, move around. Hey, he was a good little quarterback. I loved him. As an operator, I thought he was really good. But when you do that, and you only win at one spot, it allows him to make plays. How do you improve on that this week going against a Pac-12 opponent? Well, we got to do, we had too many times where our, we didn't have a balanced rush, uh, you know, where you had too many guys either above the quarterback or on one side of the quarterback. So making that guy throw from a vice, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, ultimately, when you do win is we got to get him on the ground. There was, I don't know how many times it was, uh, Oh, we all, almost had him down. You know, the, we all, almost got him on the ground. We almost got to him before he threw it. Like there was a, I don't know, we let, let our, that's the most almost we've had in however long. Um, and so, and then if we're, we're going to come after him, which is, you know, if it was up to us as coaches, we'd come after him every play. But in order to do that, you got to win, you got to win your one on ones when the ball comes out. And we were struggling to do that, quite honestly. And so, um, we wanted to play through it and challenge our guys and not, um, you know, essentially give everybody, you can't double everybody. You can't, you can't rush, you know, six or seven guys and then double the receiver because you run out of people. So you can either double the receivers and rush fewer guys, or you go everybody at the quarterback and now you don't have, you have one-on-one maybe. And, and, uh, so we challenged them that when it was their time to win the one-on-one, we have to win some and we didn't win enough early on. Well, I mean, arguably, no disrespect to Idaho, you should be winning the one-on-ones in the secondary. Your guys should be able to cover them. And and they have good receivers, without a doubt. They had a couple guys that were really good. I loved Haddon. He was a really good football player. 
but you got to be able to win those. They only ran a couple of rub routes, really. I mean, you know, we all know pick routes are illegal, so rub routes back there. But uh, what was it in coverage? Were guys not confident in their coverage? Was technique bad? What was going on early on? Yeah, I would say there's some technique lapses. Um, certainly some technique lapses. Uh, we were guessing a little bit coming out of a break. Uh, our eyes were bad on a couple where we were supposed to be outside leverage. We had one on a corner route where you're an outside leverage man and the slot ran a corner route. I mean, you can't ha ask for better leverage and the guy lost his eyes inside and the guy wheeled around and beat him to a corner. It was a first down. I mean, yeah. so it's a little bit of everything, you know, uh, and it wasn't one person. There were some guys that got beat multiple times that, it, you know, that's got to be addressed. I mean, we, you know, we kind of tell the guys all the time that it's like, we're not going to ask you to do something you're physically not capable of doing it, doing. But if, if you're physically capable and you're, you know what to do, then it is expected that you play up to that standard. And, uh, you know, mentally in their own mind, whether they had a bad play before, or maybe they're a little tired or something, you know, learning how to focus on the moment and play that play for everything you got. I think, I don't know that that happened often enough. I know that it didn't happen often enough, actually. So that was it. It wasn't one thing. It, um, boy, if you could can that and give it to every player, you'd be the greatest coach of all times because that's the key to everything, right? Playing in the moment of the play and executing what you've been trained to execute. But then nerves kick in and you know, other thought processes and panic oh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That all kicks in. So you turn it around, though. 17 points unanswered and then zero points for the rest of the game. How does that click for a team? Was it, was it, did they get an ass whooping at halftime? Like, what, what, what was it? Because I talked about it on the radio. I'm like, there's going to be some choice words for these guys because they're being put in positions to win, but they, they didn't quite get there. Yeah. Uh, challenging them, I think is probably the way we would phrase it. Challenging them individually and as uh, units. Um, not panicking where you're trying to design 15 new calls, you know, because that, that doesn't land well either, you know, challenging them, uh, holding them to the standard of, you know, what they're capable of being. And, uh, you know, we, we brought the same thing up on, on Monday, uh, Mike, it's like, okay, so you go out there and you give up 17 and we don't win a third or fourth down. And then you go out and you're capable of getting them, knocking a ball down, winning a rush, you know, get uh, whatever it might be you know, for how many of our drives in a row, it's like, so who are you? You know, which, which defense, which player are you? You know, that's the challenge because we've had that throughout the season, you know, without, yeah. the last, uh, the second half or, and really the North Texas, it was, uh, a few plays, but other than that, there was some really good football, uh, on defense. There was quite a, uh, a good amount of the Auburn game. It was good defense, you know, other than the one long drive. Um, and then in this game, it was, you know, spotty. And especially in the first quarter, there, it was bad defense and then a little bit better. So like the challenge is like, you know, who, who are you? Which player are you? Who do you want to be? It's not a sometimes thing. You have a choice every time you line up on who you want to be. It's not some outside force that's telling you. So I think, that was the message to those guys. Yeah, consistency is so key because if you don't know what you're going to get consistently, you don't know what calls to make as a coach either, right? Your coordinators, well, are we going to cover them this time? Are we going to stay in our leverage? What are we going to do? 
Yep. Now, now you end up guessing because your guys aren't playing, doing what they're coached to. Trust me, as a coach, I get this. Yeah. Just the guys will look at me and go, "Well, what do I do? Well, do what I coach you to do. Just yeah. do what I coach you. That's it. You know, finish that off. All right. Now I'm going to switch over to the offensive side of the ball. And one of the things we talked about it last week, playing at game speed at that quarterback position. And in order to do that, having a great O line up front, giving yourself some space. There were some issues up front in this game, especially on the edge that I saw. Talk about pass protection and where where they're at in terms of yeah. The offense. I mean, we're still work in progress. Um, you know, like to see more consistency there. Uh, we are a, you know, with kind of what we do. There's we try to limit the true drop back uh, game. I wouldn't say we're a huge drop back team, um, but we've got to be able to do it from time to time and and be be good at it. Uh, I thought there was some good stuff. Um, we had a number of plays on offense, just way too many, 10 out of 11. Oh, 10 guys got it right, one guy didn't. And then all of a sudden the play falls apart or just, you know, it doesn't function. And so whether that was O-line, uh, receiver, quarterback, uh, tight end, just too many times that we, we watched the video and it's like, whoa. 10 out of 11 guys getting it right. But uh, as you mentioned, we, you know, Oli, we can, we did some good stuff running the ball, um, but we need to be better on some of the drop back game. Yeah. I saw a couple of flat backs in the pit, which is always nice to see, you know, big guys, the guards inside washing down a backer or doing something like that. It's always nice to see, but in order for your quarterback to feel comfortable playing at speed, he needs to have that dish to throw from even on RPO looks or anything else. He needs just a little bit of time to read. That said, I counted, and tell me if this is fair, five shots that probably should have been touchdowns that that one he took and missed, but but five others that could have been touchdowns had he pulled the trigger. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say we we missed a number of plays where we could have had huge explosives or, or probably touchdowns. Um, for one reason, you know, the pass game, I think that's what you're referring to. Just yeah, yeah, pass game. Yes, pass game. Um, sure. We also got to do a better job on the read game where when we can pull it, like there's there were some huge yards available. Um, so, you know, Sam's a, a young QB. He's a, a guy that's got to continue to develop at that position. He hasn't played a whole lot. I mean, I think that was the first time since he was in high school, junior high school, he's played a full game of quarterback. Um, so we just got to, we got to see him improve, you know, and, we got to help him get there, uh, and then he's got to take ownership and, you know, show an improvement as well on the shots or the RPO game. Um, but that was, uh, I think, a concern on offense coming out of the game is we just left way too many touchdowns out there. No doubt about it. And that, I mean, that's all you want to hit your shots. As soon as you call them, you want to hit those shots. You're calling them for a reason, and they change kind of the tide of the game. We may have spoken about it a little bit last week. I, I was a young quarterback. I had played one year of high school football, and it took me three years to get up to speed to play college ball, you know, behind Troy Taylor, under Terry Shea, and then Steve Mariucci. And so that position is so intricate and so important, especially when there's so many reads and possibilities, that it takes a while to get used to it. Um, how do you facilitate fast growth at that position for Sam? I know you talk to him and watch film and all the quarterback stuff. It's, it's a difficult spot to be in because each game, and I said this in the air, it, it's hard to be allowed to grow up in a business. And it's a business for you guys now. Yeah, 
Um, what you want to see is measured improvement. You know, that you can see the improvement from week to week on decision-making. That's that's first and foremost. You know, do we give the ball? Do we pull the ball? Do we throw it? And if we throw it, are we throwing it to the right guy? And that's where, and that's all, we chart all that stuff. You know, like how efficient are we just in the decision-making? And obviously when you throw it, you want to be accurate and all those things, but just to get to the point of like, are we doing the right things? And all the quarterbacks are graded that way because ultimately to have the, you want to control the controllables and that's, that's what we're talking about. And so we want to see growth from Sam in that area. He hasn't played as much and we understand that, you know, this is not uh, us, you know, giving up on Sam or anything like that. I still believe in Sam as a, he's a, a fantastic athlete. I think he wants to do it. And so we got to help him grow. And then we got to see the, but you do have to see the improvement. I mean, it's, that's the way this works, you know, like at every position, you got to see the corners improve. They got to see the quarterback improve. And, and, uh, we're very, uh, open about that with the players and what's expected. And, um, we're here to help them. And that's our job is to help them get from point A to point B. Yeah, and you've got another 100 guys that are also counting on them too, right? So there's a certain urgency to what's what's happening there and coaching staff and everybody else who's involved with the program. So, you know, getting better quicker, understanding the reads, taking to coaching, so important at that position. And and I would add one, where are your eyes at? Not just your reads, right guy, but where are your eyes at as a quarterback? Are you making the right read to get there too? So Yeah, are you looking at the right thing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah because that takes you to your throw. Yeah. Well, I always appreciate Coach Wilcox coming on with us in the wins, in the losses. He is always honest, and and we get an opportunity to speak very frankly. And uh, I appreciate him being clear about his message and where his team is at because team needs to get better, and there's no doubt about it. You're always looking to get better, no matter whether you're a world champion or you are a last-place finisher the year before. You are always looking to improve your game as an athlete. You always have a growth mindset. And any team that's not doing that is a team that's going to fail. So I love the fact that coaches always think about getting better and improving. They're going to need to improve this week. This UW team is a very good football team, ranked number eight coming into this game. They just beat Michigan State, who's in disarray, but they smoked them. And so I will give you a breakdown of Washington. We'll look at a couple plays, too, in this breakdown, so I think you're going to like it. This is a very good Washington football team. This this is a team with some dudes, and we'll talk about that coming up. But for now, that is our look at Idaho. That is a look at where the Bears stand right now. I'm going to tease that Washington preview again because you're going to like it. But that will be coming up next week. I appreciate you guys watching. As always, uh, we love to see our Bears do well, and I'm a big fan of great quarterback play, and I can't wait till we get some of that. As a quarterback, I love great quarterback play. I am looking forward to getting some great quarterback play this year and being able to talk about it here on the podcast and on the radio as well. You can catch our broadcast of this game up in Seattle, 7.30 p.m. on KGO 810. My partner, Justin Allegri, and I um, enjoying, by the way, Miss Joe Starkey, as always, Joe's the voice of Cal football in my head, but having a great time getting to know Justin and getting to work with him and our crew in the booth. So... Catch us there on the radio. We'll be telling you everything you need to know about the Bears. Until then, I'm Mike Pulaski for Ultimate Insider and Bear Insider. Go Bears.